The Sower and Solace from the sermon series, The Moral of the Story, spoken by Pastor Doug Cho. our Commission Impossible series last week with Pastor Peter giving us a powerful word, challenging word. Definitely check that out as we wrap that up and we continue to the next series. You know, you kind of think, where is Jesus now? What is Jesus doing? And after we finish that section of the second great discourse, right, after what Pastor Peter preached on, Jesus continues on his ministry and he goes on and he heals people he preaches the kingdom that's coming, right? And he causes quite a stir because he's doing all these, these miracles and he's moving in power and he's healing people and he's, he's doing these great things and he's teaching and these crowds are following him and people see him as a prophet. They're like, oh, this man is a prophet who knows the word of God very well. But Jesus says, no, 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 not a prophet. I'm the son of God. I'm the son of God. And that is causing a stir because him declaring himself as the son of God means he's the coming Messiah that the Jewish people were waiting for. And the Pharisees and the religious authorities at that time are not happy with that news. They don't like that. They don't like what they see in Jesus. And so right before Jesus teaches in parables, we go to Matthew 12. This is 12, 22 to 24. Then they brought him a demon-possessed man who was blind and mute. And Jesus healed him so that he could both talk and see. So, right, he, he was not able to speak and he was blind. But Jesus heals this man. All the people were astonished and said, could this be the son of David? Could this be the son of David? So prophecy says the son of David is going to come. He's the Messiah that we're waiting for. But when the Pharisees heard this, they said, it is only by Beelzebub, the prince of demons, that this fellow drives out demons. It's only by the devil this man works. So Jesus, he frees this man from his oppression. And the people that are witnessing Jesus, they say, this, is this our Messiah? Is this the one that we were waiting for? And immediately the Pharisees, they quench that spirit. They quench what what God is doing there and they say, no, 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 no. This is the work of the devil. It's a crazy thing because if you think about it, right? imagine yourself witnessing that scene right there and then and there. Jesus essentially frees this man from his bondage. He frees this man from his bondage. He delivers him from his oppression. This man has been bound and oppressed. He's not able to speak. He's not able to see. He's possessed. Jesus frees him. And you know, when you see something like that, what is your reaction? I want that. I I want that. I want that for the people in my life. I want that. And so they begin to say, oh, is is this the Messiah? And then the Pharisees say, no, it's the work of the devil. They do that. They quench the spirit. And then they turn around and they say, well, Jesus, teacher, why don't you show us a sign then to show us that you're actually the son of God? And so Jesus is pissed, right? So all this context, because I just want you to know that right now Jesus is pissed, right? That's how we're going to read this parable. That's how we're going to go into this. Jesus is not happy, right? He's pissed off. And we go into our third great discourse, this series of parables. And yes, the the sermon series is called The Moral of the Story. We're going to go through these parables. We're going to dissect context. We're going to present possible interpretations. But our goals for today is, one, to talk about or understand parables in general. We're going to look at parables in general. Two is to understand this parable specifically. Right? We want to understand this parable specifically. And three, to understand the concept of understanding. Right? To understand understanding. That's what we're doing today. So if you could all bow with me and we could just pray. It's a lot of text. Uh, right now, if we could all just do this together. Um, 
let's just present ourselves before the Lord because I can't do this on my own. We are the body of Christ. We do this together. Let's just go before the Lord and ask the Holy Spirit to come right now and to fill this room, just like uh, Dennis and Catrice were asking for before, that, the, that God would fill this place, that the train of his robe would fill this place, and that we would have the honor to really just be in his presence. Lord, right now my conviction is that this is all for nothing if it's, not, if it's without you. That we could do great things, amazing things, historical things, and they would be nothing without you, God. Without your eternal touch. Without your kingdom touch, God. So I pray, we pray, would you be with us, Lord, as you promised. Would you be with us, Lord, in this service, in this room? Would you speak, God? Would you sow seeds, God, deep into good soil? I pray over my brothers and sisters, Lord, that they would be anointed with understanding. They would be anointed with understanding, myself included. And that, God, we would just enjoy your word. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Let's enjoy his word. Matthew 13, 1 through 23. Matthew 13, 1, two, 1 through 23. That same day, Jesus went out of the house, sat by the lake. Such large crowds gathered around him that he got into a boat and sat in it, while all the people stood on the shore. Then he told them many things in parables saying, a farmer went out to sow his seed. As he was scattering the seed, some fell along the path, and the birds came and ate it up. Some fell on rocky places where it did not have much soil. It sprang up quickly because the soil was shallow. But when the sun came, the plants were scorched, and they withered because they had no root. Other seed fell among thorns, which grew up and choked the plants. Still other seed fell on good soil, where it produced a crop, a hundred. 60 or 30 times what was sown. Whoever has ears, let them hear. The disciples came to him and asked, Lord, why do you speak to the people in parables? He replied, because the knowledge of the secrets of the kingdom of heaven has been given to you, but not to them. Whoever has will be given more, and they will have in abundance. Whoever does not have even what they have will be taken from them. This is why I speak to them in parables. Though seeing, they do not see. Though hearing, they do not hear or understand. In them is fulfilled the prophecy of Isaiah. You will ever be hearing, but never understanding. You will ever seeing, but never perceiving. For this, people's hearts has become calloused. They hardly hear with their ears. They have closed their eyes. Otherwise, they might see with their eyes, hear with their heart with their ears, understand with their hearts, and turn, and I would heal them. But blessed are you, your eyes because they see, and your ears because they hear. For truly, I tell you, many prophets and righteous people longed to see what you see, but did not see it, and to hear what you hear, but did not hear it. Listen then to what the parable of the sower means, right? It's great he gives us the answer. When anyone hears the message about the kingdom and does not understand it, there's that word, understand, the evil one comes and snatches away what was sown in their heart. This is the seed sown along the path. The seed falling on rocky ground refers to someone who hears a word and at once receives it with joy. But since they have no root, they last only a short time. When trouble or persecution comes because of the word, they quickly fall away. The seed falling among the thorns refers to someone who hears the word, but the worries of this life and the deceitfulness of wealth choke it. They choke the word, making it unfruitful. 
But the seed falling on good soil refers to someone who hears the word and understands it. This is the one who produces a crop yielding 160 or 30 times what was sown. Ah, it's my conviction right now. Mama Moore, uh, open store, God has sown in you something into your heart, and he has produced a crop that is 100 times of what was sown. So we, we thank you for your ministry and what you're doing. We look forward to, yeah, you can clap for her. That's amazing. And so I just want to shout that out. Parables in general. Why parables? What are parables? The purpose of a parable in the Bible, especially, is to disturb the framework by which you live or with, by which we live. When it comes to the context of the Bible, it is to disturb the framework by which the people listening to the parable live. Great, one of the greatest examples is uh, Luke 15, the, parable, the three parables leading into the prodigal son. What's happening in that, in that context is... The Pharisees look at Jesus eating and hanging out with tax collectors and sinners. They're like, why are you with them? Look at this man who hangs out and eats with these sinners. And then Jesus challenges them. And he goes, let me tell you three stories. Right? Let me tell you three stories. Right? So when Jesus is coming out and whipping out stories, that means he's challenging you. Right? So we are being challenged. The parable's purpose is to disturb the framework by which you, this should challenge you. It should rock you to your core. It should bother you. Parables should bother you. And how they do it, what they do, they force the reader or the hearer to participate in the construction of meaning in the story. You have to kind of figure it out for yourself. There needs to be some action within you to figure out how this parable applies to you. So it's much like a piece of art or a song, right? Bear with me. When you look at art or when you listen to music, whichever is better for you, we all know that the composer or the artist, they have a purpose behind what they're doing. There is, there is purpose. There is intent Right? That, that, that is what the artists do. They place it there. It's intentional. It's meant to be noticed. But there is also interpretation. Right? People also receive and interpret in different ways. It's much like uh, myself. And when I read the word, right, I, I get really emotional uh, when I'm just like really trying to prepare a word. And like, I think we all should all get kind of emotional when we're reading the Word of God because it is the Word of God. But I'll get really emotional. I make like this ugly face that my the wife, my wife, she makes fun of me when I do it because like I'm typing on my keyboard. I'm like, <laughs> right? So I'm like typing and I'm like writing. Oh yes, God, right? And I'm doing it, and she's making fun of me. I'm like, no, you don't understand. And she's like, tell me, share with me. I'm like, oh, this is a good word. Right? And like, I, I do it to confirm with her because like, when I'm preparing, especially for Sunday, I want it to be a good word, right? That's just like what I want. And so I, I'm preparing this and I'm sharing. I'm like, Jesus said this. Wow. And she'll look at me and she's just like, so? Right? It does nothing for her, right? And it's like, at first it's like a really discouraging for me because I'm like, oh, like, I guess it's just me, Right? But, you know, it, it's different for everyone. It's different for everyone, and that's okay. That's okay. Sometimes it takes a while. Sometimes it's faster for others. Sometimes it's, who knows? Sometimes it's just not that exciting. But that's okay. Because it is the living word of God. It may not happen now, but it may happen later. Who knows? What is being sown inside of you? What is wonderful about this parable is the, the growth of a seed. If you think about it, right? I know many of us are here, they, they like backyard gardening and whatnot. You don't see that, right? You don't control that. You don't, you don't cause it to happen. You put it in the ground and then it happens, right? What's wonderful about this parable of the sower is that there's a mystery behind this, this harvest that comes. And that belongs to God. So we're going to look at this parable specifically, today's parable. This parable is called the sower because technically 
the parable is about Jesus, him being the sower. And it points to his presence with his people in their lives throughout history, right? Jesus, thousands of years ago, is talking about this, this sower coming, him, sowing seeds into the people of God. And if this parable still applies today, which it does, that means Jesus throughout history has continued to sow seeds. This is my sowing motion. It has continued to sow seeds into his Thank you. Thank you for my form. Anyway, but yes, this is reassurance for us because our Savior King is continuing to do a work in his people. None of us are finished. I am not finished. You're not finished. And this is good news because there's a mystery happening within our spirits, within the spirits of people we, who may not even believe at the moment. And that belongs to God because God continues to sow seeds into his people. I want to highlight the seed. The seed is the word of the kingdom of God. Specifically in, in this in this passage, it is the word of the kingdom of God. That is the seed that he sows into his people. In Matthew's Christology, we see this text as Jesus bringing what is coming to his people and planting it within them, making them kingdom workers, kingdom builders, kingdom citizens, transforming them. He's not done yet good news for us. However, there is also this aspect of soil, which pertains very much to us. And that's what we'll be focusing on today, this aspect of different soil. And I also want to note too, that this parable is constructed in a way that tells us just because you believe in God doesn't mean you're good soil. And that's a warning. Just because you believe doesn't mean you're good soil. So, let's look at soil. Um, I hope I did this right, Isaac. Uh, Matthew 13, uh, verse 4. And I just want to pair that with kind of like the, the next part. As he was scattering the seeds, some fell along the path, and the birds came and ate it up. Right? So later in the passage, uh, 18 and 19, there we go. Listen then to what the parable of the sower means. When anyone hears the message about the kingdom and does not understand it, the evil one comes and snatches away what was sown in their heart. This is the seed sown along the path. This is the word of the kingdom of God being sown and is not accepted. It's never accepted. It's actually rejected. This is the rejected word of God. And this, this idea of eaten, ate it up, right? Uh, that, that word is actually translated better into devoured. It's intention. There's intentionality there. The enemy devours the word because he does not want that seed to infiltrate the ground. That seed is swept away. It's taken. So we actually look back to Matthew 12. I believe that Jesus is addressing what the Pharisees were doing there. Seeds were being sown and the enemy steals it away. Seeds were being sown, and the enemy steals it away. That is the seed sown along the path. Next one, Matthew 13, 5 to 6. Some fell on rocky places where it did not have much soil. It sprang up quickly because the soil was shallow. But when the sun came up, the plants were scorched, and they withered because they had no root. 20 to 21. The seed falling on the ground refers to someone who hears the word at once receives it with joy. But since they have no root, they last only a short time. When trouble or persecution comes because of the word, they quickly fall away. So in this case, this soil, the word is received, right? Praise God. The word is received. And maybe we'll see like a sapling or a bud come up. I, my terminology is very limited. But we'll see something come up out of the ground. We'll see a sign of a hope or reception to this word. It's doing something. But when the sun comes, it scorches this sapling. That sun is persecution. That sun is hardship. That heat is just the oppression that we feel. 
that we experience. And this sapling, this growth, this fruit, this thing that's supposed to be the harvest, it dies because there's no depth in the soil, in the ground. We equate that to, I would say, like an emotional high from hearing the word and, yeah, believing it, feeling good about it, maybe experiencing God's spirit at a revival or a Sunday service, but this persecution takes it away. Suffering is promised. Right, two weeks ago, Pastor Peter talked about suffering. Suffering is promised for God's people. It's a guarantee. And this is probably the unsexiest thing I'll tell you today. Anyone who tells you that the promise of God is earthly prosperity is a liar. Anyone who tells you that is a liar. What it is, is that Jesus tells us we will suffer on account of him because this world does not desire for the word of the kingdom of God to reign over it. This world does not desire for the word, the very word of the kingdom of God to come, to infiltrate, to invade, to change, to transform. There is a resistance against that change, against that transformation. Some of you may have experienced this yourself. There is a resistance to transformation in your own lives. There is sacrifice there. There is pain there because this world does not desire that. Suffering is a guarantee. And you know what's crazy? Sometimes, or actually most of the time, we suffer because on account of ourselves. I think like if I could count my suffering, like if my suffering was like one through ten, maybe nine of it was because of me, right? Because I was kind of stupid and I did a lot of crazy things. And you know what's, what's, what's reassuring? God says, I'll see you through that. Don't worry. But then there's this added suffering. You'll suffer on account of me, on account of Jesus. And you don't have to raise your hand right now, but who will testify gladly on account of Jesus, knowing what is promised? Those who testify on account of me, they will suffer. That is what Christ says. So, this word is received in this case. There's no root. There's no depth. There's no, there's no subjection to this word, right? It does, it does not pervade it. It does not grip it. It has not taken up the spirit of this person who has heard this word. Therefore, the persecution comes, and then this plant dies. Next soil, verse 7. Other seed fell among thorns, which grew up and choked the plants so that they did not bear grain. 22, the seed falling among thorns refers to someone who hears the word, but the worries of this life and the deceitfulness of wealth choke the word, making it unfruitful. This one, the word is received, just like the previous scenario, but rather than it being like an internal or underground issue with the roots taking hold, it's actually an external hindrance that kills whatever is trying to be born from this seed. These, these thorns, they, they strangle, they, they smother the word of God with anxiety, with the worries of life, with toxicity, with obsession over wealth, with desire, with lust. One of the key phrases here is that it did not bear grain. It was unfruitful. The word there, however, is too simple. Like, we're, we're not just talking about like, like, like product, Right? We're, we're talking about something that could have potentially happened. Change that potentially could have come up from this word. It did not happen. It could have, but it didn't. It was stopped. It was smothered. It was quieted. It was quelled. And I would say, these things... They loom over the seed. 
They're bigger than the seed, essentially idols that choke this word and prevent it from bearing anything. I mean, this could be things like, you know, real things like trauma, fear, anxiety, shame, things that we need healing from, things we need freedom from, things that we need to really process through. Many of us have that, if not all, have that. It could also be things like security, success, comfort. It could also be things like relationships, people. I believe that, you know, many of us hear God. Um, and I was like this. And we pray. We say, God, I want to hear your voice. Tell me, God, anything. I'll give it up to you. And God comes and he says, money. Money. Like, God, I didn't hear you. <laughs> money. Lord, is that you? God, confirm that's you. You know, like, it's like, come on. Come on. Like, we, we, we need to level with ourselves, right? Let's be honest with ourselves. If you can't do it, that's okay. No one's condemning you. But let's be honest with what God is calling you to. Many of, many of you, you hear God, even if you don't hear God. You hear God. I guarantee you, you hear God. But you're just not honest with what God is calling you to. That's okay. Be honest with what God is calling you to. Be honest. The last one, 13, 23. But the seed falling on good soil refers to someone who hears the word and understands it. That word, understands it. We're going to talk about that. This is the one who produces a crop yielding 160 or 30 times what was sown. The seed that falls on good soil is the one who hears and produces exceptional harvest. Use that word exceptional. Scholarship says, you know, a, a normal harvest is like 15, 20, right? They actually have, like, they actually have numbers for that. Uh, a, a, an ex, a good harvest or like a better harvest is like 30, right? And then you get into exceptional harvest, 60, 100. And Matthew is very intentional with how he's using these numbers. It's, it's, he's critiquing discipleship. That's what he's doing. He, he, or, he, puts the good, the good students first, and then he goes down the line. And what he tells us through that is, you are responsible for what God gives you. Not me, not Pastor Peter, no one else is responsible for what God gives you except you. You are responsible for stewarding what God gives you. Only you. It is up to you these are exceptional harvests. They are not supernatural harvests. They are just very exceptional harvests. And the reason why I say that is because these are things we may see in our lifetime. The supernatural is, is will come. We will witness that when the harvester comes, which, who is God, who is Jesus returning. But these are implications of discipleship that we see here. You are responsible for this harvest. What are you stewarding now today? What is God calling you to steward today? Is it your time better? Is it your time? Is it your comfort? Is it your occupation, your vocation? Is it your relationship with your children? Is it your relationship with others? Who knows what God is calling you to steward? Only you know. Only you can be responsible for it. And it's up to you to take something of that, bring glory to the kingdom of God, produce something a hundred times of what was sown. Praise be to God when that happens. When people are faithful, when people desire to give God the glory, when people desire to love on their neighbors, 
when people desire to love others as they love themselves, when people go out and they preach and they teach and they love on the least of these, those who are just considered less than in our society, those who have banquets not for their friends, not for their families, but for those who cannot afford banquets. That's straight from the mouth of Jesus. He says, why don't you dine with those who cannot afford to dine at the table? You are responsible for what God gives you. Only you. So, good soil is defined by understanding. That is what good soil is defined by. It is defined explicitly by this idea of one who understands the word of God. The kingdom word of God in them. That is good soil. So what is this idea of understanding? Because it's actually not just to hear it and to understand like what is being said. That is not understanding in itself. All right, so we're going to look at verse 11. He replied, because the knowledge of the secrets of the kingdom of heaven has been given to you, but not to them. Whoever has will be given more. They will, take, they will have an abundance. Whoever does not have, even what they have will be taken from them. What Jesus is saying here in this particular place, I'm going to pause here, is that those who love God, those who pursue after God, those who have a heart and a fire to just go, to search for him, to, to, to pursue his presence, to stay there. To soak that in those people, they will be given more. Those will be given more. Those who have that, yes, you will be given more. Those who are maybe half-hearted, like super casual, he says even that will be taken away. Those who pursue, more will be given. Those who not so much, that will be taken from them. 13, this is why I speak to them in parables. Though seeing, they do not see. Though hearing, they do not hear or understand. In them is fulfilled the prophecy of Isaiah. You will ever be hearing but never understanding. You will ever seeing but never perceiving. See, there, it's kind of confusing, right? Because you hear, you would think you would understand. And it's not that when you don't understand, it's because like he muddles the words in your brain and you don't get it. No, you do get it. Like cognitively, you do understand. But true understanding is twofold. It's twofold. Yes, it's hearing and it's cognitively understanding what is being said. But the second, the spiritual aspect of understanding is that you subject yourself to the sovereignty of God. That is understanding in the Bible. Understanding in the Bible is not just hearing and getting what is being said. Understanding in the Bible is subjecting yourself. It is submitting yourself to the sovereignty of the kingdom of God. It is bowing yourself to that word. It is making that word higher than you. It is making that word larger than the things in your life. What that means, what, that, what does that look like in your life? What does that look like in our lives? Because right now, in this soil, if you, if, if you don't see that, there's a lot of opposition. Rocky soil, thorny soil, pathway soil. Like, whoa, there's a lot of opposition. Birds coming, taking the seed, right? Good thing we have a good father. Good thing we have a good God. Because God does not leave you alone in that work. God does a work in your soul. God does a work in your soul. You know, like, I've really tried hard, right, to, to think of like a landscaping illustration for this sermon. I'm, I'm like a new homeowner, and landscaping is like, like I, 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 I think I stood outside for 30 minutes. I was staring at my sprinkler system. I had no idea what to do with it. My, my bushes are dying. They're still di they're dying. They're, they're actually dying. Right? It rained like a cloud. I was like, thank you, Jesus. <laughs> and I actually did. But I tried really hard to come up with a landscaping. I couldn't do it. But 
something I'm really passionate about, something that we see in the Bible is ceramics, pottery. You know, God sees he's a potter. I promise you, it, they correlate. So ready? When you have clay, right? The potter, God, he molds clay. He changes it. He shapes it to his way. Well, you see in Jeremiah, this is language that they use, right? The potter says, who, who, why can't I shape clay to how I want to shape this clay? That is God, right? So the potter, he shapes this clay. The thing about clay is, and the clay is so interesting, is that when clay goes unused for a very long time, guess what happens to clay? It gets really hard. It gets really hard. It actually, it stops being clay. It's just a rock. That's what it is. It's just a rock. And so, what you would naturally do to soften clay is what? Pour water on it, right? I'm going to pour water on this clay. And let's hope this clay gets soft. But you know what's crazy about clay? Clay is stubborn. Clay hates to not to, to get wet. That's what clay does. And so what happens is you're going to pour water onto this clay all day. You'll just pour water, all the water. And do you know what happens? This clay will stay hard and the outside will just get slimy and sticky. That's all you're doing. You're just wasting water at that point. Right? So think about it this way. Bear with me. The water is the Holy Spirit. Right? God is softening our hearts. He uses the Holy Spirit to soften our hearts, to give us understanding, to help us with this. The, the water is the Holy Spirit. But how does the clay become soft again? You have to shatter it. You have to shatter the clay into small pieces so that the water can surround all the small pieces and only then the clay becomes usable again. That is like the rocky soil we see, the thorny soil. God needs to clear out the rocks. God needs to clear out the thorns. Will you let God do that? Will you let him do that? Because he will not force that on you. That is why suffering is part of the walk of a Christian. Are you allowing God to do that work in your life? I really want you to be honest when you ask that question to yourself. Shattering sucks. Being shattered sucks. And I've shared my own. But you know what's crazy? I got to boast. I got to boast in the Lord because, you know, what's, what, what, what has changed me and, like, I, I didn't realize this until, like, a couple years later, is that when I, when I changed, my family did notice it. It's just that they thought it was weird, right? Like, my family thinks I'm weird. Like, not my immediate family. Like, they've come around. Like, thank God, right? My, my, my immediate families, they're actually quite fond of me. Thank you. But, like, my cousins, they think I'm weird. Like, I'm really weird. So, I, I was in Korea. Uh, same time when Pastor Peter was in Korea. We're hanging out. And, like, you know, I'm like, at this time, I'm on fire for God. Like, oh, Jesus. Right? So on fire for God. I'm hunting for churches in Korea. I'm like going around this church tour in Korea and like I'm just, I'm just really eager, right? I, I just feel like God is calling me to something else. God has been changing me in my life. God has like done a work, has, has really healed me of, of trauma, of like my hatred, of my bitterness. And I'm like, I'm going. And something that my family was really big on and a lot of Asian families actually was secrets. You don't share your secrets with anybody. You don't share the family secrets with anybody. Not even, like, and, like, our immediate family has secrets from, like, our extended family, right? Because, like, that's your inner circle, and then you have, like, more circles, and then now there's just circles of secrets everywhere, right? And at one point in time, for some reason or another, God was like, you know what? No more secrets. And I said, Lord, no more secrets. I'm done with secrets. I'm done with lying. I'm done with that. 
When I confess things, I confess it not just to one person. I confess it to like 12 people. I, I actually dated a girl and she was like, I hate you. And I was like, why do you hate me? She's like, because nothing you tell me is special. I was like, what do you mean? She's like, you tell everything to me, you tell everyone else. I'm like, yeah, I, just, I, don't, I don't have secrets. She's like, I want secrets. I'm sorry. Like, I'm out, right? So I was in Korea, and I met up with, I was meeting up with a cousin. I, I, I'm very fond of this cousin. She and I, like, we get along really well. I love her family so much. And, you know, she, uh, her father is my mom's brother, right, my uncle. And so we're like hanging out. She's like, oh, you know, my dad wants to see you. We go, we're talking. And he's like, how's your family? And we're having dinner. And, you know, like I was like, you know, not so good. Not good. He's like, what? He's like, yeah. You know, there's drama. And like, you know, like when I, I, I'm learning recently, like when I was younger, like, you know, like the way I, like my dad raised me was like not the best. And like I, I, I have all these things that I'm working through. It's, 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 it's not the best, but we're, we're, we're trying our best, you know. And he looked at me. He was like, okay. <laughs> and you know what they thought of me? I found out later through my mom because she yelled at me. <laughs> they thought I had an agenda. They thought I was testing them. They thought I was looking for a reaction from them. Because I was sharing all these things that I shouldn't be sharing. My goodness. But I just want to boast in the Lord right now. Because they think I'm crazy. They think I'm naive. They kind of think I'm dumb. But I tell my mom every day, you know, when, when, we, when she was confronting me with, like, sharing, spilling our family secrets, I told her, Amma, that means mom. I said, Amma, I've never felt more free in my life. And you are putting yourself into bondage. And I know you know God is calling you to clear that out. She looked at me, she didn't say a thing. Usually she has something to say, she didn't say a thing. So that's right. <laughs> I want to read this, this passage, Philippians 3. And this is, I'm going to close with this. We did Philippians uh, months ago. It feels like a really long time ago, right? Paul's in prison. He's writing this word. And I want you... To, I want this to be our prayer as a church, given the parables that we just went through. But whatever were gains to me now, I now consider loss for the sake of Christ. Whatever were gains to me, every success I had, everything I valued, I consider loss for the sake of Jesus. What is more, I consider everything a loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord, for whose sake I have lost all things. What's more, everything is a loss because Jesus is so much better than those things. I consider them garbage that I may gain Christ and be found in him. Not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness that comes from God on the basis of faith. I want to know Jesus. I want to know Christ. Yes, to know the power of his resurrection and participation in his sufferings, becoming like him in his death. I want to be like Jesus. I want people to see me, to know me, and when I die, I want people to know that I was like him. That's it. And that I did everything in my life to be like Jesus. And so somehow attaining to the resurrection from the dead. I know some of you have tasted heaven on earth. Small glimpses of Christ. When you have submitted yourself, when you have subjected yourself to the word of the kingdom of God. That is understanding. When you truly understand, when you truly inherit 
what is being sown into your heart, when you embrace that. That is when the harvest comes up. 100, 60, 30 times. Let's pray for that today. Let's pray. You know, um, back to being honest. I just want to let everyone know that if you struggle with, um, you know, breaking free of something, submitting something, giving up something, that's okay. It's okay to struggle with it as long as you're struggling with it. And so, what I'd like for us today is just as we pray and as we close out this word, just pray, God, help me to see. Is my heart rocky? Are there thorns in my life? Am I rejecting your word? Is this word being stolen away from me? If you struggle with that, that's okay. God does a work in his people that is not forceful, but he invites you into relationship with him. now I pray that the Holy Spirit would frustrate you that the Holy Spirit would move in your soul because there's more there's more to life here than just living and dying. Than just coasting by. God wants to do a work in his people. And he has sown seeds into you. Father, I pray for all those right now who have Maybe harden their hearts, God. I pray, Lord, that you would embrace them. Help them to know that you love them. And that, Lord God, what you have for them is good. That it is a promise that you do not condemn them But Lord, you long for them to come back to you. You long for them to be in deep relationship with you. I pray for those who have experienced being shattered, God. That Lord, your spirit, Lord, like water, would cover them and soak their wounds. that you would continue to restore them, that you would gather them up in your hands, Lord God, and that you would restore them day by day. Pray for restoration of your people.
And Lord, I pray for those who are in the fire, God. Lord, that they would trust your refining process. That, Lord, you do not let your people break in fire. But God, you are Emmanuel with them. You stay in the fire with them, Lord. And for that, we praise your name. We praise your name, Lord God. We praise your name right now. We thank you, Lord Jesus, for all that you are doing even now, Lord Jesus. That in all things, Lord, we can call you good. That your presence has remained with us all these centuries. With your people, all these centuries, God. And that is a work we can trust. We'll never stop until we see you face to face, Lord God. And that when we see you face to face, Lord, we would long to hear, well done, my good and faithful servant. Fill my brothers and sisters right now as we respond to your word and worship, Lord, with your spirit, God. And I pray that your spirit would convict hearts right now in Jesus' name. Your spirit would free shackles in Jesus' name, Lord. Your, your spirit would break chains in Jesus' name right now, Lord God. That there would be surrender in Jesus' name, Lord God. That, Father, that an army would rise up in Jesus' name, Lord God. That people would fight injustice in Jesus' name, Lord God. That you would awaken hearts for justice in Jesus' name, Lord God. That you would awaken hearts for neighbors in Jesus' name, Lord God. Lives be changed. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. I have some next steps that I just want to go through real quick before we go into a time of worship. The first is, I've heard from Jesus for the very first time, and I want to respond to him. This is for our new believers, and if this is you, and or if you think this is you, check this off. Let us get back to you. Let's have a conversation. We want to talk to you. We want to walk with you in this. We want to answer any questions that you might have. The second is, there are things that God is putting before me that I truly don't understand. And I would like to speak with a pastor about them. You know, we talked about struggling. We talked about having an honest conversation with yourself. If this is, this is you, and if that is, please check this off. Our pastors, our whole staff, we would love to talk to you and share and really walk in this too. This is important. The third is I will meditate on Philippians 3. I hope that all of us can be disciples of Christ who boast in what Jesus has done for them. And that nothing would be of value aside from knowing Christ. The fourth is I will pray for someone in my life to truly hear and see what God is sowing in their lives that their hearts would no longer be the path, but they, they too would be good soil. And the fifth is, I would like to sign up to help with the Metro Picnic. Uh, we're actually going to have our, our Metro Picnic and some games on September 12th. We need a lot of help. We need a lot of help. We need a lot of help. So please come. Please sign up. Um, we will find something for you to do for sure. But please check that off. And please come out. Uh, we, re we really want to commune together. It's going to be right across the street on the football field. Love to see you there and fellowship with you. And finally is, I will read Matthew 13, 24 to 30, 36 to 43 for next week. Pastor Sunita is coming back with a word. Thankful for her.